This is exactly right. On the 12th season of Tenfold More Wicked, we investigate a series of compelling mysteries from the city of Fall River, Massachusetts, where problems started generations before Lizzie Borden's murders made her a household name. Join me as we cover the misfortunes that have befallen this infamous town for more than 150 years, including the Great Fire of 1843. Season 12 premieres Monday, May 13th on Exactly Right. Follow Tenfold More Wicked on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I tell people, try everything. Just try everything. Whatever you're interested in, just try it. Because it's not only helpful in the healing process, it's helpful for mental health. And it gives you a better sense of who you are. And and by that that process of choosing to push yourself just a little bit each day, and not not in a hard way. You know, you hear push yourself, you think that's, that's got to be something hard. I was doing something I enjoyed. I, I, I was trying something new. And it was, it, it was, it, it, brought me back to life in a huge way. Welcome to Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan. I'm Dr. Dan. This show is about making the world a more loving, accepting, and compassionate place, one parent, one person, and one child at a time. The key to raising healthy and engaged kids is for us parents to seek the same in our own lives while striving to be the best versions of ourselves each day. No matter who you are or where you came from, with increased awareness, you can be purposeful about leaving a healthy footprint for your children, your family, and all those you care about, while living your own life to the fullest. Today's show is Pies, Books, Chronic Illness, and Mental Wellness with Stephanie Hawkersmith. Stephanie is a viral sensation beloved by thousands and known as Pie Lady Books on Instagram and other social media. She is a mom, wife, and book lover who was diagnosed over a decade ago with celiac disease with neurological implications that put her in a wheelchair. At that time, looking for solace and healing, she turned to her two favorite things, reading and gluten-free baking. Today, she is beloved by authors and readers and the media for her pie art. Recently, Stephanie posted a moving reel on Instagram telling her followers about her health journey and how she took to her therapeutic pastime and healed herself in the process. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's so great to be here. I'd like to start by just reading a blurb from your reel to really set the tone for everyone about um, just your journey and the um, uplifting message in your journey. And here it is. If there is anyone out there who battles with mental health or a chronic illness that feels there's no hope in this life, I want you to know that there is. There is always hope. You can never know what tomorrow will bring. I was brain damaged and in a wheelchair. And then 15 years later, I was on the Today Show. Anything can happen. That's just like awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Yes. Yes. How did this happen? Oh, gosh. I don't even know (laughs) if I'm being honest. It's, 
It's such a wild journey. I sometimes tell people that I feel like I had a weird dream where I was really, really sick and like handicapped and then woke up and went on the Today Show. Like, doesn't that sound like a dream you would tell someone mm-hmm. about? Like, mm-hmm. um, But it's honestly just been a very in- long journey of healing and um, fighting for, I guess, myself as an individual and a person. And it 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 started as a pursuit of joy when I had very little. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm a pretty optimistic person. So I tend to swerve. Like if, if something's rough happens, I sit in it for like a bit and then I'm like, okay, what do we do next? Mm-hmm. And when I was that sick, um, I didn't have the faculties to be able to do that for a long time. It was several years of just really, I was just very ill. And, um, and due to the amount of seizures I had had, I, I did have lingering brain damage. And so as I was more cognizant and functioning in the world and my brain would heal, um, sometimes the big goals for the day were, uh, get up and make a cup of coffee, you know, or how about we take a shower today and, um, let's see if we can do this. And and I was just, is is a subtle push every day to see what my body was capable of and what I could do. And then it got to a place where I felt um, relatively function, I was functioning, um, but I didn't have a sense of who I was. I, uh, I was feeling better. I had had kids, um, and miraculously, I didn't know if that would ever happen. That was such mm-hmm. a joy to be mm-hmm. able to have children and to be able to parent them, you know, safely. And, um, and, and, and it hit me one moment. And I think a lot of parents feel this way. A lot of people, I think as you age, but for me, especially I, you know, I, I had to drop out of college. I had never been able to establish a career because I was so sick. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't have a sense of like, who am I in this world? And, uh, everyone else had these these identities beyond mom or um, they they had, you know, I do this. You know, that's the first question people always ask you, what do you do? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, for years, my answer was healing. I just, I was trying to get better. Mm-hmm. And then it hit me that I had nothing that I really enjoyed. And um, it started small. I, once we figured out that my illness was caused by a severe and somewhat, rare allergy to gluten, I uh, started baking gluten-free pies and I was determined to make the best one. Like, I'm not going to just sit and like, the first one I made was, it was, uh, it was not the best. (laughs) And, but I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make the best gluten-free pie crust that there is. And I got really passionate about that. I got passionate about making gluten-free food that was beautiful and not just, and, and, and tasted awesome. Um, and then it just kind of spiraled into this mm-hmm. journey of one thing and then the next thing and then the next thing and led me to where I am today, which is just magical. unbelievable for magical. me. Even. Yeah. Yes. So I imagine, okay, a few things. I imagine yeah. when you started asking yourself the question of like, well, what do I do? Mm-hmm. You had to be healthy and like you had to be healthy enough for that even to become a question. Yes. Because right? for years. On, yeah. Yeah, that wasn't even enough. It was like, did I make it through the day safely? Yes. Okay. We, you know, we're we're healing. We're doing that, and that was the main focus for a long time, probably at mm-hmm. least ten years mm. um, of really healing. Well, I, I'd say probably five was really intense healing period, and mm-hmm. then I started to kind of start branching out into the world more. And um, but it's it's been 
that was the focus for a long time. Tell everyone by way of education about celiacs, yeah. right? I mean, it's something people hear about celiacs, but unless, in my yeah. experience, unless you, you've touched, it's touched you personally through family or friends, it's just mm -hmm. another name out there. So it what, is. yeah. So what, tell everyone what celiacs is and your particular version of it that made it so, so severe. Okay. Well, celiac is, you know, you hear of people going gluten-free and it's easy to get that mistaken with like a fad, you know, oh, a paleo diet, gluten-free diet. And that's um, detrimental because people with celiac disease, there's actually two branches. There's gluten intolerance, people who just don't feel great when they eat it. They could, they do better without it, you know? Um, and then there's people with genetic celiac disease, which is a genetic autoimmune disease. Um, and it can affect you in various ways. It's something I will always have. And if you have the genetics for it, and the interesting thing about it is it's not always active. I was born with the genetics for it. It didn't start acting up until my early 20s. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a series of um, getting mono and going on a strong antibiotic, and it just kind of set my body into motion. It probably would have shown up at some point anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and basically what it is is a uh, autoimmune reaction to gluten in your body so when I eat gluten um, or when someone with celiac eats gluten, you know, your body attacks itself. And typically that occurs in the gut, in the digestive system. It breaks down all the villi in your um, intestinal lining and makes it so you can't absorb food. So then you start to experience a lot of other ailments because you're not able to absorb the nutrients you need. Well, I got this special version called mm -hmm. um, gluten ataxia. And I do want to say celiac can have a variety of symptoms. Um, but I am one of 10% of people with gluten ataxia, which basically means that when I eat gluten, it attacks my brain. Mm -hmm. And so I was, my symptoms were, um, it started kind of slow with depression, anxiety. I did the opposite of what typical people do with celiac. I gained weight instead of losing weight. So that was confusing. Mm -hmm. um, and I just got weaker and I started experiencing, um, you know, muscle numbness. Some days I would wake up and I couldn't move one half of my body for the day. Some days I couldn't see out of one eye. Mm. It, it can look very similar to MS because it's very random as to mm -hmm. what's going to be affected from one day to the next. Um, mine came with a, a good amount of seizures every day. Um, we didn't know what was causing it. So there were days I'd have upward of like five to six seizures a day. Wow. Um, and I just couldn't, I, I couldn't function. You know, it, it, it robbed me of anything. I was uh, in a wheelchair and I honestly um, talked more similarly to like a child with severe cerebral palsy is how I communicated, um, if I could communicate. So it was, it was crazy. Severe, from, severe, yeah, severe. I went from being a healthy college age, you know, person yeah. to completely handicapped within the space of a year. And it was, and we had no idea. I mean, and, and we never would have guessed this was the cause. Mm -hmm. it just seems how so long crazy. did it take? How long did it take for accurate diagnosis? You know, for me, I'm very grateful it only took a year because mm -hmm. uh, we have a good friend who is has celiac disease and her husband was the uh, was a gastroenterologist at the time. And she was like, you know, I just want to try this. Let's just see. Because they checked me for everything, you know, brain tumors, MS, all the things. Mm -hmm. And um, when she sent she, she paid actually for us to do this really expensive genetic testing because they tested my blood for celiac, but it's not the most accurate, mm -hmm. um, test. And so that came back negative. 
Well, when they did the genetic testing, it came back that I had both genes needed for it. I'm what they call like a super celiac. Mm. And it was, this was what was happening. And um, after that, we did a variety of food allergy panels, figured out that dairy was also a problem and um, worked to eliminate that. And then once we were on that path, there was like incremental healing, but it took uh, probably 10 years to get the gluten fully out of my brain and heal my brain and, and all of that. It, it mm. took a long time. Yeah. Wow. What a road. Um, yes. <laughs> what a road. Uh, so many, so many questions. Um, yeah. Okay. Where I'm sorting, I'm sorting them in my yeah. head right now. Mm-hmm. Let's, um, you mentioned depression, and anxiety, and yes. we know with chronic illness that often when one has a chronic illness or autoimmune disease or other similar situations, depression, and anxiety are often the out, like part of it. Like you get mm-hmm. depressed, you get anxious because you are, ha- you, you are living like this. You're having the situation. However, we also know that depression and anxiety are sometimes core features of the diagnosed or undiagnosed illness. Mm-hmm. And yes. that seems to be the case for you. Like that was expressing itself before you knew what was really going on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. It showed up and I was struggling. Uh, I was failing my classes at school. That's not typical for me. Usually I'd get A's and I could not function. I could not get from one moment to the next. And I had the drive. I just couldn't get bridge that gap. And um, I did go on antidepressants. In fact, they put me on so many like antidepressants and things to try to fix what was going on um, and see anti-seizure meds that it like really affected negatively other parts of my body. And so um, it was a core, core feature. And I can tell even today if I get a little bit of gluten, like in cross-contamination, my first mm-hmm. symptom I get is um, extreme irritation and and also uh, like a deep sadness. Like I don't mm. sink mm. back into the full depression again, right. but it like, it, it appears. It's like, oh, I'm not okay. And um, I can usually trace that back to something I've eaten. Mm. This is so important because it it speaks to the mind body connection. And for so long, everyone's tried to separate mental health, physical health as if they're separate things. And, and And again, they are not. And this issue that we all continue to, I think, make strides on with this, um, stigma of like a mental health issue is more of like a personal deficit and a lack of mm-hmm. will and a lack of drive yes. where a physical illness yes. is, Oh, you poor thing. I I'm sorry, this happened to you. And mm-hmm. it's all like, this is all just one it's, big thing. Absolutely. You nailed it. That, that is one of my biggest frustrations is I, I also battle with ADHD. That was a fun, uh, mm-hmm. souvenir from mm-hmm. that time. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, the, and, and that that stigma is there as well. That you know, oh well, you're lazy. There's a deficit. There's a problem, and and mm-hmm. and your friends can't understand why you can't get up off the couch to go do something, and you don't understand it. And it is real, and it's a problem. And 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 for people to to treat it like it is a personal deficit versus an illness, mm-hmm. something occurring in your body for whatever reason, whether a you know a chemical imbalance in your brain or an allergy to something you're eating or whatever mm-hmm. it may be, 
um, that's valid and, mm-hmm. and, and needs to be treated as a genuine medical concern. So you talk about your healing over this, you know, from 15 years from wheelchair yeah. and brain damage to the Today yeah. Show. And that first, you know, you've described the first, the, the crash, and then the year of trying to figure it out, and then five years of intense, um, intense mm-hmm. healing. And then it sounds like another five of another, of another chapter. Yeah. You know, what was the process of you going from unwell to well like, you know, what, what were the steps that you had to go through? You know, it's so hard, uh, to really specify, but I think the best way I could say it is that each day I just got up and I tried to do what I could do that day. Mm-hmm. And it was a journey of, um, you know, obviously very clear, carefully watching my diet. We had to completely mm-hmm. change our whole lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, you know, getting on meds that were going to help the situation versus hindering what the healing process was looking like. And thankfully, I found a really awesome doctor who believed me, heard me. When I got diagnosed, they still believed celiac only presented in um, digestive issues. A lot of doctors blew me off and said that I was just anxious or I was causing this myself or those kind of things. And it was hard. Um, but I think after getting that support team of, um, you know, the right diet, the right doctor, you know, and, uh, my mom was my, my biggest advocate in my corner. Um, Mm -hmm. it was just a daily effort of trying to do the best that I could and healing is not linear and it Mm -hmm. can be very isolating. And the hard thing is, is people get kind of tired of it. They're like, well, why aren't you better yet? You know, you figured it out. Why aren't we better? Right. Right. And they didn't understand why I could be somewhat pretty functional one day and like maybe out running errands, go to coffee with a friend, whatever. And then the next day I couldn't move off of my couch. And, um, but that is what healing looks like. It's, it, it's two steps forward, maybe three steps mm-hmm. back, maybe some days just one step back and you're, and, and you have to give yourself grace, which I am terrible at. That was the last thing. <laughs> you said that well, but though. I, you said that well. Yeah. Give your, you have to give yourself yes. grace, everyone. Yeah. You do. Yeah. yeah. You need to give yourself grace to know that some days the best you can do is you just keep breathing and you lay on your couch and you make it through the day. Wow. Some days the best you can do is go on a walk and maybe you make a new meal and you just push yourself as much as you can and challenge yourself in little ways. You know, me deciding to make gluten-free pies. That sounds like, oh, what a what a cute little hobby. You know, that's nice. But but what it was was the beginning of me going on a whole journey I could never have anticipated in a million years and opening me up to something I fell madly in love with. Mm. And and by by pushing just those little things, each thing I say, I tell people, try everything. Just try everything, you know, like whatever you're interested in, just try it. Because it's not only helpful in the healing process, it's helpful for mental health. Mm-hmm. And it gives you a better sense of who you are. You know, maybe you've always wanted to be, you know, a basketball player or something. And you go out and you start and you're like, you know what? I hate this. I'm terrible at it. This is not for me. Great. Now you know. So then you can move on to something else. And and by that by that process of choosing to push yourself just a little bit each day and not, not in a hard way, you know, you hear push yourself, you think that that's gotta mm-hmm. be something hard. I was right. doing something I enjoyed. I, I, right. I was trying something new and it was, it, it was, it, it brought me back to life in a huge mm-hmm. way. 
Mm, that's awesome. Um, I'm thinking about your pies, your pictures, your pies. Yeah. Everyone, yeah. when you check out Pie Lady Books, um, you will see all the pies paired with the books, the beautiful pies. Um, Steffi, just to share that we, um, our family is a very, uh, um, many on the continuum of uh, gluten um, sensitivity to gluten intolerance, no celiac yes. to our knowledge. Um, yeah. But so we, we know about gluten-free food. We know about gluten-free yeah. bakeries. We know that it's really, really hard to find yes. <laughs> good gluten-free bread, mm-hmm. uh, uh, pie crust, you know, pies. Yes. Um, so, um, yeah. So I just want to share that with you. So this is also personal in that way for me. Yeah. Um, what, so your love, you know, you put these two loves, like uh, how long on this journey, this healing journey, when, because I know you started the book club and then you started baking these p- pies. So when did they eat to start separately and when did they come together? You know, well, I, I've always been a reader, a big reader. And, you know, like most readers, sometimes I go in and out, you know, I'd have, obviously when I was really sick, I wasn't reading much. Um, but that was one of the first things I started to do as I was healing because I could, I was sitting, you know, mm-hmm. and I would get immersed in these stories and, you know, I could talk about this for hours, but the beautiful thing about reading is you you see someone else struggling with these things and it reminds you that you're not alone and it maybe inspires you to go do something or it makes you just feel seen and it makes you, um, it brings you joy. And it just, it, it was so beneficial to my mental health to read these stories. You know, I'm reading The Hunger Games. Is that applicable to my life right now? No. <laughs> but watching someone that's that's yeah. fierce and strong and, and facing all these obstacles and getting up every day and just trying to do their best was inspirational mm-hmm. and, and motivational. And so I'd always been a reader. And then I started baking pies uh, shortly after that first five years of like real healing. And then um, I just kind of baked for friends and family, I decided to enter a local pie competition. I didn't let them know it was gluten-free because I didn't want to be judged based off of that. And I won first place Mm. over all the other gluten pies. And um, the judges were shocked to hear that it was gluten-free. And I was like, okay, so I'm doing something right. You're on to something. Yeah. I'm on to something. And I, um, you know, and so I, I would do the two separately. And then it, it was actually, it wasn't until 2017 after I had my second son where I was really feeling that lack of identity and I had these things I enjoyed doing and I was doing better and I had, you know, but I needed more. And I kept talking to people about the books I loved and, and then I would also feed them my pies. And I was like, maybe we bring these two things together. So I started the book club in 2017 where I could bake pies for my friends and we could talk about these books. And, uh, shortly after that, I thought, well, I would really love to, you know, see what the book world is like and get to know some of these authors and just kind of talk about this. I didn't even know that bookstagram was a thing. I didn't know that there were people on Instagram doing books. I didn't know that. I just like, I feel overwhelmed by the thought of starting a blog. So I'm just going to start this Instagram page. And I started it. And at first I just posted pies I baked separately or the books I was reading. Mm -hmm. And I would talk about my love of baking and reading. And it was really exciting to get to know these other readers. Um, And then it wasn't until 2018 that I looked at a book and thought, well, why don't I just make this 
on a pie and I knew nothing. And as you probably know, working with uh, gluten-free pie dough is hard. It's very hard. <laughs> gluten-free mm-hmm. dough in general, it just tends to fall apart really easily. Gluten is the elasticity that you get in traditional pie dough that makes it nice and, mm-hmm. you know, you can lattice and all these different things. And I had found workarounds over the years, but uh, as I was starting to try to create pie art, and let me be clear, I was what I thought to be the least artistic person on the face of the planet. I thought I had no artistic leanings. That and- turns out not to be accurate. <laughs> okay. Continue. Yes. But so, you know, I thought, well, I don't know why I'm even trying this, but I think it was just that habit of pushing myself. Like, I want to do more. I want to do a little bit more. This could be cool. Maybe one of my favorite authors will see it and notice it and know how much I loved her book. So I did it. And and it got a, a good response. And I was like, okay, it was very basic. I used a paring knife, which is not what I use now. I, I use an X-Acto knife now. And I, I knew I knew nothing. It was rough. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I did it and it was so fun. And then I started to do it some more. And then I figured out that you can add food coloring to pie dough and it absorbs really nicely. And then I just kind of started to work with it. And it was like, oh, I kind of have a knack for color theory. I can match these covers really accurately. Um, I didn't know I could do that. And then it just spiraled into this thing. And now Mm -hmm. I get to have a career where I create pie art to help authors promote their books. Mm. And it's just such a weird little niche. (laughs) I never expected it in a million years. Now when people ask what I do, I still struggle to explain it, but I have something I'm proud of, Mm -hmm. but it's like, well, I make, book pies. You know, people <laughs> don't always know what that means, but they do um, now. Everyone now, do. now knows yeah. what a book yeah, pie now is. They but know. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. um, that's wow. kind of how it all kind of merged together. It was just, it was a very slow process and I had no idea that this is going to be the end mm-hmm. goal. It's not like I looked and anticipated this. I thought I'll start this little thing. I told my husband, like, maybe I'll get a hundred followers someday. That would be nice. You know, yeah. and I can talk to these people about books. That was my only goal. This is uh, a shining example of what people call the possibility principle in quantum physics, that anything is possible, as you point out, right? Anything. Anything. And so, you know, I was hearing this parallel. So I have a question about this parallel. With your healing journey, every day was just another, you know, day uh, from a struggle to a triumph, maybe moment by moment, hour by hour. And you just had to do what you could do and try something. And then when you started to create your pies, thinking that you weren't really good at it, or you weren't really artistic, you said, well, I tried this. And then I just tried this. Do you think the process of enduring and healing from your illness also allowed you to take unchartered, uncertain steps with your art without that fear or that judgment? Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I I do think so because I, I think it is easier when you, when you have no expectations of it being something great, you know? And, uh, but I think it did give me a, a tenacity and a desire to see what else was out there. You know, when you almost lose everything, I think it refocuses you in a lot of ways and it relieves you of a lot of fear and of Mm. like, it's like, well, you know, this doesn't work out. Who cares? You know, if it's 
there are a bunch of duds. Great. I can move Mm -hmm. on to something else. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't costing me anything really. And, um, and, and it was worth the the fight to get there. And Mm -hmm. I, I have realized over the last 15 years that fighting for things produces results, you know? So, yeah. Um, important message there. Right to fight yeah. and to take a chance and to know to take like, a chance. No big deal. Yeah, you never know. You just and that's what I just like. I you read at the beginning. I just want everyone to know because you you get in these these places and you think this is my life, and I think you have no idea what your life is going to be mm-hmm. because I sure didn't. I didn't think I was going to get that sick at twenty, and then I definitely didn't think I was going to survive, let alone go on the Today Show. Like I don't. <laughs> right. That's not even fathomable. Yeah. It's still not fathomable. Even though yeah. I've been on it and yeah. back, I still yeah. don't, I can't process it, yeah. you know, because it just was so unexpected. And that is the beautiful thing yeah. about life. It's it not going to always be this way, you know? And you've handled it all with grace. Your, the Today Show uh, segment was awesome. You did great. Oh, thank you. You did great. Thank you. You would have thought you've done them all the time. Oh, um, thank you so much. But I think that's one of the things that about you just in preparing to for this conversation is um, your authenticity and um, like being real. You know, and how so how much of that is your actual, you know, pre-20 personality as you knew mm-hmm. it and how much of that putting yourself out there and being authentic might be related to the path that you've had with celiac. You know, I'm kind of always been an oversharer. <laughs> so I, I think a lot of it is just who I am that I have a hard time filtering. I, I can't, I have a hard time putting on a fake face. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't do well with that. And, um, but I would say that after you've been, it humbled in such a large scale. Uh, there's not a lot of point to pretense, you know, Mm -hmm. like there's just not a lot of um, benefit to worrying about what people think here or there and about what, you know, and so it, I say that like, it's not easy to let go of that, but I'd say um, it did make, authenticity easier because I had been, I don't want to say humiliated, but it is a very, very humbling place to be, to, uh, be the person that's that sick and Mm -hmm. people look at you very differently and your body does things that you are embarrassed about and you can't help. And, and maybe you want to say you're sorry, but you can't get the words out. You can't communicate. Mm. And I, it did give me a glimpse of, um, I'd be in a wheelchair in a store and I'd see the way people looked at me. I was registering all of it. I couldn't communicate, but I was registering all of it. I guess it did. It did aid my authenticity because Mm -hmm. I was humbled to the bare bones. You know, I was, I was, uh, brought to absolutely unable to function now. Mm -hmm. And so it, you know, why right. be anything else? Right. You know? Right. So. And then you became a parent along the way also. Yes. Yes, how, I did. So um, I'm really interested in how this, your experience and now your, um, your, your perspective on life, you know, how that translates into parenting. Yeah. These young people. Yeah. Um. It's definitely made me, I hope, I hope a better parent, a more patient parent. Um, uh, 
you know, I'm just so grateful that I get to have them because I didn't think I would. Mm-hmm. And to be able to raise children um, and and be healthy while doing so and functional while doing so is the greatest gift that I'll ever get. They they are the absolute joys of my life. Um, but I would say I hope that it it allows me to be a in, more intentional about teaching them the lessons that I've learned about continuing to fight through hard things and to keep trying every day. It definitely gives me some credence when I'm able to say to my son, Hey, it's not always going to be this way. This is not mm-hmm. today is not forever. And you don't know what tomorrow holds. And he mm-hmm. can believe me because I've been mm-hmm. there, you know, right. and right. I'm grateful for that. I'm very, very, very grateful for that. And, um, yeah, it's 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 been hard. It's hard mm-hmm. and it's good and all the things, yeah. you know, because right. there are days where my body still acts up and I have to parent and it's right. not to the level it did before, but um I will have like, you know, 4 days of like a migraine straight and just like really mm. weak and kind of dizzy and I have to figure out how to parent through that mm-hmm. and communicate to them that they I need to be treated with grace and respect and um so it's it's a yeah. journey. It's a it's a co- kind of a complicated journey. But it I'm is, for and it. I imagine. So I wonder, um, in the, your situation and others um, similar, you have a child being a child, mm-hmm. and is there ever the other side of it, which is like, come on, are you like, do you have any idea how easy you have it, or like what yes. I've been through, and you? are melting down about this? Like, (laughs) even if that's a a thought that you don't say, like, I have to imagine there's the other side of it too. Yeah. I, I don't tend to go to like what I've been through necessarily, but it definitely, there's always that present realization of like, it can get much harder. Like things can get really hard. Yeah. And so, yes, I struggle with that daily. Um, The, you know, my my son will say, I'm suffering. I'm suffering. And I will say those moments, I did think about the times that I was like curled in a ball in the closet in severe nerve pain Mm -hmm. because of what was going on. And so, and I'd be like, buddy, you're, you know, your day didn't go the way you planned, but that's not, you know, and Mm -hmm. I have to check myself because I, it's easy to kind of be like, Oh, you have no idea. And I have to remember, okay, he's nine. He's nine. He has no comprehension. It's good to communicate that to him, but um, you know, my biggest goal is going into it with the knowledge that life can uh, really shake you up. And I want to give them, I mean, all parents do, but I really want to give them the tools to succeed when that happens. Mm -hmm. I guess I don't live in fear of if it happening. I don't want anything to happen to my children. I don't want them to get sick like I did, but I am, I hope wise enough to know it probably will not the sickness necessarily, but hard things happen. Something does. Yeah. Something, something will happen. Yes. And I hope that I can really intentionally give them the skills that they need and an open space of communication and safety with me to be able to talk about it and, and continue to uh, fight through those things. I think that's a really important um, approach and uh, message that you're giving us, which is, you know, how do we, so a few things in there. One is how do we prepare our kids for life? And Mm. 
because of the uncertainty and the possibility principle, like it possibilities happen in positive ways and not so positive ways. And exactly. none of us get out of life without adversity. None of right. us. No. Um, the question is just the shape, the size and the severity um, mm-hmm. and frequency. So I think that's such an important message about how to help our kids gain the sense of resilience and these tools, as you say, for when life happens and the separation of our own experience from them, because as you point out, you know, not helpful or fair to compare your writhing nerve pain Mm -hmm. with his nine-year-old terrible day. Like that's not, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's, it's like how to hold that Yes. And everyone's pain is everyone's pain. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we all have a different awareness of the world as those things hit, you know, and you can't expect someone to be at your level of awareness of the world um, when they're not there, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's valid and okay. And I'm glad he hasn't had that. I'm so right. glad he doesn't have that awareness of the world yet. And that I've been able to keep him in a very relatively safe bubble. That's not my doing that. I'm just very grateful that he's been healthy thus far mm-hmm. and, um, had a relatively easy life. But yeah, I, I think it is important to meet people. It's never, ever beneficial or profitable to play the uh, one-up game uh, with anyone, whether mm-hmm. it be, oh, you've had such an easy life, you don't know. Well, they know their own things and they'll get there at some point. Mm-hmm. And what I hope to be for not only my kids, but others is a safe place to come to. I don't want to hear, oh, well, it's not as bad as what you've been through, but I have this. No, no. What you're going through right now is valid and is important and it's shaping you and Mm -hmm. it's what's going to shape you into who you are. I had my own things and Mm -hmm. I want to hear about that. And I'm a safe, hopefully a safe place to talk to about that. And Mm -hmm. I, I do try to remember that with my kids. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's hard. You know, I think Mm -hmm. as adults, we, we struggle with realizing like your brain's not at where mine is, even if there had been no issues, like Mm -hmm. I've lived longer, you know, and it takes a while for them to gain more perspective. So clearly you have, um, part of the healing process, as you point out, um, your mom, um, Mm. your spouse, um, you know, it takes, it takes people to help people take care of people and to help people heal. What can you, what, would you say as someone who was taken care of, who was, mm-hmm. had a debilitating chronic situation, uh, a debilitating chronic health situation, what do you say to those out there who are taking care of others, you know, from mm-hmm. being from your, on your side of it, um, yeah. seeing, seeing it through your eyes? Right. Well, I think the first thing I would say is, uh, on your worst days, when you are frustrated and you are tired and you are angry that you have to deal with this on a regular basis, and you have a whole variety of emotions, you're angry that you're watching someone you love suffer, and you're angry that this is the turn your life has taken as well, um, I would encourage them to think about how it would feel to be the reason the people in your life have had to change their lives or to be the reason mm-hmm. that they now struggle. It is hard to be that person. It's it's hard to be the one that is needs so much. It's hard mm-hmm. to to be the reason that your loved ones can't go do what they wanted to do because you're so ill or um 
But I would also say that your feelings of anger, frustration, exhaustion are also valid and part of the grieving process. You know, you it, it took me a while to see that because I only saw my side. And it took me a long time to see that my husband had to work through his own season of grief and his own struggles with um, this isn't what I thought would happen for us. This mm-hmm. isn't the life I thought we were going to have to deal with. And uh, so it's valid. I would encourage anyone to really feel your emotions, really acknowledge them, get therapy, get help. Your feelings are just as valid. You need to take care of yourself too. Make sure you're caring for yourself both mentally and physically. And, um, and But also know that the person who's sick is not is grieving that they have to put you through this, you know? And, yeah. and yeah. I think when you see that you realize the mutual love on both sides and there can be a lot of grace there. Take that in everyone. <laughs> so it's wisdom and, uh, it is, it's complicated. It's complicated. It is. It's um, very complicated. And empathy yeah. for every, everyone's position, which is what I hear a lot in your response is so important. Yeah. And it did take me a while, like I said, to get there. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it, it does help with the healing to see that. You have said that the best advice is to quote your friend, Eve Rodsky, who's the author of Fair Play, and that she says, women need to give themselves permission to be interesting. Yes, absolutely. And I'm wondering, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add one more thing to that, is, yeah. and I'm wondering how that idea helps you combat what you call domestic guilt. Mm, That's yeah. I could talk about this for hours too. Um, (laughs) I think, you know, growing up in the society that we have, things are changing drastically, but you know, women are expected to play a a certain role. Um, And especially like even the community I grew up in, it, it was a lot more traditional in that way. Now, Um, I think my mom, who plays a very traditional role at home, is the most interesting person I've ever met. She has always kept that spark alive. She is always pursuing things that bring her joy, either artistically or reading or, you know, a lot of things. So she was a really good example for me. So I almost had kind of a leg up on that. But um, what I love about what Eve is doing is, is just encouraging women to realize that this is not all your responsibility. You, there are two people in the home. There are two partners in the home. And, and maybe there aren't. Maybe you are a single parent. And even in that case, you can let go of that guilt and choose you sometimes. Choose something that brings you joy, that sparks your life. Because while, yes, we all would say we would die for our kids. We love them so much. We would put them first again and again and again. And that is beautiful. And the gift of being a parent Um, And for single parents, they have it so hard. They have to do all the things all the time without a break. But I would say even then, it's even more important to find that little space of who you are so that when you look at your life and people ask what you do or who you are or what you like, you have something you're proud of saying. And it just, it doesn't seem like there's room in the schedule for it, but it ends up balancing out in a way that makes everything else easier. You know, it almost like an impossible shift. It's like, well, I don't have room to take up this new hobby or to pursue this. Well, if you make the room, I think you'll be shocked at how much Mm. else 
shifts around and how much easier it is to tolerate ABC because you've got D over here that's keeping yeah. you alive, you know? Totally. And you're a living example of that. I mean, not only did the pie, the pie books of pie art is a part of your healing, it's part of your drive, it's part of your creative spirit. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Everyone, she... Stephanie has a huge smile on her face right now as she's saying that. <laughs> she's sparkling. Yes. yes. Thank you. Awesome. Um, yeah. Well, I'm so, so excited. So excited for you and um, Thank you. how you're just being embraced. Um, Thank you. Oh, yes. It's awesome. Um, and I realize we, we haven't even got to the parent footprint moment question as I'm, I'm, I'm in my visual imagery of all of your pies right now. Okay. So here we go. The parent footprint moment question. Tell us about a time that you became aware of yourself as an individual, as a parent, or even an awareness of your own parents, and that new awareness had a positive, has had a positive impact on your life, your kids, and or those you love. Okay. Well, I mean, I think I would say it was when I started creating the book pies in a big way because it gave me that identity. And and let me be clear, this was before anyone really like paid attention to them. They were just me. You know, I get some good responses online, but I wasn't like going on national TV or anything. It was just me doing something I loved. And that gave me such joy. And it taught me I was good at something that was other than the domestic skills. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, I think that was the moment that I really was like, oh yeah, I like her. I like, mm. I like who she's become. Mm. And, um, and it did give me an awareness of my, my mom and how she always fought to keep something going in her life. That was, that brought her joy and was that spark and, um, and how it made her just an excellent parent. And I think it, it, it was a, it was a real clicking in moment of like, okay, this is, this is what I've needed. Mm -hmm. It was good for me to, to have that as a parent. And it did bring me so much joy and, Mm -hmm. um, and my kids are so proud. They're so proud of me. And my husband is so proud of me, but it's awesome watching my kids. I mean, my husband's been there from day one. He has watched me struggle and fight my way. So he is endlessly proud of me, but my kids watching getting this, to see them watch my dreams come true is amazing. It, I, yes. I get goosebumps thinking about it. So, And it's so powerful for you to be modeling this for your kids. I mean, when you are, when you are excited, when you are creating, when you are taking risks, when you are mm-hmm. accomplishing things and they're seeing this like it's it's mm-hmm. it's the most important thing we can do as parents is be engaged in our own lives. Yes. And they are and they are in it. It is in yes. the kitchen. We are yeah. we are reading books. My kids are always asking, "What book is this and and what is it about and why is there an octopus and what does the octopus say?" And then and we're just in it and it's it's wonderful and they're they're very supportive. So I'm grateful. So tell everyone where tell everyone what's next and okay. where they can continue to follow your pie art and what is whatever is next. Thank you. Um, well, next is I'm trying to get my website launched. It is uh, three quarters of the way done. So that will be easier for people who aren't on Instagram to give me more of a, um, a social proof. People can see my stuff, whether they're, you know, they just need access to the internet. Um, so I, 
last year I started Pie Lady Books officially my business where I am in book marketing and I utilize my pie art to do that. And I think that's really my focus right now is expanding upon that because I'm so passionate about authors. I'm so passionate about the books that they write and I'm passionate about getting people to notice them. And when people scroll my feed and say, I read this book because of your pie, I'm like, hmm. and that's why I do what I do. Nice. And it's the most random. It's not something I ever expected someone to say to me, but they, they do, and and if I can draw attention to these these uh, wonderful words that these authors create, and help them um, get their book noticed, uh, that is what I am most passionate about, and using my art to do so. So that's really where I'm heading. You can mainly see my pies right now um, are on Instagram and Facebook at Pie Lady Books, uh, both places, and then within the next month there will be a website pieladybooks.com, and you will be able to find me there. And that will that will actually be launching May 1st. So everyone, PyLadyBooks.com and PyLadyBooks everywhere. Just if you type in PyLadyBooks, you are going to get to Stephanie. Yes, you will. <laughs> awesome. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for sharing your experience uh, today and also on your platforms because you know how important it is for people to understand about chronic illness, about mm -hmm. mental health, and of course, about the path to wellness, um, yes, which absolutely. is so important and the hope that you instill yes. that anything can happen and every day mm -hmm. is a new day. It is. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a joy. Thanks for listening, everyone. Please share this episode with all those you think will benefit. Thank you for your continued five-star reviews. We love having you part of our awesome community. Do your best to be that person you want your child to become and ask yourself that guiding question, what footprint do you want to leave? This has been a Peters and Rossi production. Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan is produced by Laura Rossi. Our engineer is Phil Rossi. Theme music is Strummerman, composed and performed by ProTunes. Artwork is by Garrett Ross. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Parent Footprint Podcast and on Twitter at Dr. Dan Peters. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Follow Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show.